Well, but I think that that's like even rare because I think for the most part, especially as like, you know, cis women that like, we have so much pressure on like the fact that our lives are our relationships and that like we should be putting in a hundred percent of our energy into our romantic relationship. And I feel like I've done a few posts on this. I know I've talked about it on the podcast. Um, one of the faults of monogamy of being someone's everything like that, that is so unrealistic and that that does put so much pressure on you and on your partner. And like, it's just, it's so unnecessary. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 welcome to episode 85. Did you guys, fuck, did y'all, I'm still working on it. Did y'all realize that I changed it up? Did you hear the difference? Uh, new intro coming at you, some changes happening over on um, the pod, which are really reflecting a lot of the conversations that are happening here. Um, so get pumped. Um, that is also really reflecting the work that I'm doing in the world. And it was time for some lingo change, time for some stuff to shift. Um, So yeah, for those of you who are old school pod listeners, you probably were like, wait, this is different. This is, this is weird. Um, (laughs) So you're not crazy. It's, it it is different. (laughs) Um, I hope you're having a fucking amazing week. I am really, really, really excited about today's episode. And also just wanted to say like, you guys have been having the most incredible conversations around so many of the things that we're talking about. And it's so amazing to see. I love connecting with you all on Instagram um, and, and online and on the space. So thank you. Thank you for just being you. Like, I'm just so grateful to have all of you live your fuckiest lifers out there um, snacking the book. I chopped off my tits and just really like supporting um, the the podcast and sharing about it. It really, truly means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being just like warriors in this space and getting these conversations out there. And today's conversation is with the one and only Taylor Nolan. Um, You may know her um, and recognize her as one of Bachelor Nation's most talked about contestants. Um, And she also happens to be one of my personal favorites to ever come from the franchise. Um, And if you aren't familiar with her work, like as a human and what she does outside of that space, uh, get ready because she, she is like me. She walks the walk. She talks so openly on her podcast and on her platform um, around real talk and authenticity and candor and just truly, truly breaks the mold of stuff. And she was the person I wanted to have on to have this really important conversation. Um, That's something around something that has been on my mind a lot in the uh, world of reality TV, especially because I'm a big time Bachelor fan. Like I, and also have been obsessed as of late with Love is Blind. If you haven't gotten that train yet, (laughs) we're going to talk about it. So hashtag spoiler alert. Um, But it's really fucking incredible and I couldn't imagine a better person to have on. So before we get into what we are chatting about today, 
Let's dive into today's sponsor. It is my Live Your Fuck Yes Life membership. Um, If you are not familiar, it is my online and affordable AF membership where you get badass mindset coaching from yours truly, support from guest experts around topics like sex, relationships, self-care, health, and beyond. Um, And a lot of the people that I have in the space as guest experts are previous podcast um, guests who come in and really go deeper in the space. And so it's incredible way if you are a fan of the podcast, if you are a longtime um, fan of of me and and wanting to get in my spirit in a more intentional way and actually get some tools in your toolbox that are going to give you support and have community and and just really handle this bumpy AF journey we call life, this membership is for you. It is perfect for you if you put everyone and your mother before yourself. You want to feel less burnt out but have no fucking clue where to start. You're so tired of joining Facebook groups or or free events that don't actually give you the support you're looking for and that you need. And you've wanted to work with me before, but we're just too scary of the investment of one-on-one or smaller group setting. And as a podcast listener, you get 10% off your monthly subscription. It is amazeballs. You can check it out in the show notes or head over to amandacatherineloy.com forward slash membership and type in code L-Y-F-Y-L, that's capital L-Y-F-Y-L at checkout to snag 10% off. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. So as I said, uh, Taylor's the fucking best, and we have such a great conversation. Um, Some of the things that we discuss in today's episode are her thoughts and feelings on reality TV. Now that she's two years out of her Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise experience, we deep dive into some of that too, um, and, and, and some of her frustrations around her experience. And, and um, it was really fascinating to hear her perspective as somebody who has been in the reality TV space and also now is working as a psychotherapist and, um, and actively out of the reality TV space. It's really fucking fascinating. Um, we talk about the lack of representation in reality TV, why we both love Love is Blind, and our deep thoughts around all the shiz there, um, specifically around Carlton, um, Cameron and Lauren, and Gigi and Damien's relationship. So again, if you haven't watched Love is Blind, maybe don't watch, listen to this episode, but you should have watched this. <laughs> Watch Love is Blind at this point is, is my point. Um, we don't spoil too much, but there are some spoilers. So just hashtag spoiler alert. Um, We also deep dive into all things sexuality, purity, and innocence complex. Um, We're taking back the word virginity, um, toxic monogamy, how The Bachelor is basically polyamory, non-monogamy, non-traditional relationships, our favorite vibrators, and so much more. So without further ado, I give you Taylor Nolan. Oh, one last thing. Um, Taylor was having the best fucking day and like living her fuck yes life um, and was sitting outside for our interview. So sometimes you're going to hear some bird noises. So just heads up um, for that. And sorry in advance for some of the audio quality, uh, but really it's only a couple sections. So thanks for being the best and let's do the damn thing. Hi, Taylor. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so pumped. Literally, you guys like I, if you are not a Bachelor fan and have don't know who Taylor Nolan is, like, okay, you suck because, like, she's the best person that's ever come through the <laughs> franchise. Um, but even if you aren't, like, and you listen to her podcast, let's talk about it. That's, the I think, the reason you should know about her because mm-hmm. – and, like, follow her on Instagram because she is truly, like, one of my favorite humans of all time to follow and just, like, constantly keep up with and – um and it's really been the last six months. You're so sweet. Like, Taylor, it's really been the last six months where you've been just, like, breaking free of all of this taboo shit, talking about sex, talking about non-monogamy, talking about just, mm-hmm. like, what it is to be a human in the space that we live in. And it's been so refreshing. And I really wanted to have someone on to talk about the 
cultural like shit that reality TV does um, to the mm-hmm. society that we live in. And to have that from someone who has been through that space and that world and also is a therapist is like such a fucking amazing combination. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with myself. So it's a pretty unique uh, combination, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to have like a therapist go through the bachelor process, like it's pretty epic, <laughs> especially nowadays. Yeah. It feels like there's just not a lot of people <laughs> yes. who have like quote yes. unquote real jobs <laughs> come through that. Space. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm just excited to have this really candid conversation with you and just talk about this shit because it's, Literally, I feel like mm-hmm. I've been talking with my girlfriends and everyone in my life about this so excitedly and like with so much zest and I just yes, needed to have this on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so now that you've obviously been away from the franchise for a long time, like what are your, what is your perspective on reality TV as a whole now? Like, is it something that you love? Is it something you fucking hate? Like where, how do you yeah. feel about it? <laughs> Well, I'd say it's been it's been like two years since I was on the show. Um, And my perception of reality TV overall now is like it's a love hate relationship. Um, It definitely was difficult to watch the show after being on it. And so there were a few seasons that I just like I have no idea really what happened. Like I know what people talk about, but I didn't watch it myself. Um, I just finished Love is Blind on Netflix, which I thought was an amazing show. I want to get into um, that with you because <laughs> it's so different than the Bachelor franchise, but I yes. also have qualms about it. So we're yeah. definitely going to mm-hmm. get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there are some reality TV shows that I can still watch and feel like, you know, I, I definitely recognize where when you watch reality TV, it, like, brings out this, like, really primal part of us where we just like judge the fuck out of people and like we don't care because they're just on tv and it's so entertaining um but I think I like I don't even get to have that as like an outlet anymore and I know a lot of people use it as an outlet so for me now it's kind of like a struggle of like oh but you know I really don't know what else they're not showing or like I don't know Mm. if this is just a bad edit or like what it is so I definitely struggle with like empathizing but also you know using it as like a vice in a way um yeah, I, I feel like I watch the show now and I feel okay about it. It still is a weird, weird thing to do for me, but um, I don't know. I try to find the areas of it where it's, you know, allowing us to have important conversations totally. and it's bringing certain things to light. But at the same time, it does bring out like really shitty parts of us that I think we all could work on. Yeah. that's that brings up a really interesting point because I find myself watching it like because I've been a long time long time bachelor fan like since it Mm -hmm. began since like Trisha and Ryan season I don't think you guys know (laughs) this about me (laughs) yeah but like I went back like I haven't really talked about this on the podcast before but it's just yeah and I and for a long time it was what I wanted it was what I like wanted in my life I wanted that picture perfect like romantic you know prince charming experience and now I think it's fucking hilarious because it's just so Mm -hmm. not the world that I I I exist in but like I I think that because I watched that growing up it perpetuated so many beliefs inside of me you know media does that to us and I just think it it's so fascinating as like an external person to this world versus somebody who is has been in it and then out of it like that you have still like positive things to say around it. Cause honestly, like watching the way that they depicted you on your season of the bachelor, it literally made my skin crawl. 
Like it made me so yeah. mad. <laughs> like I was like, this me is too. fucked up. Yeah. Like this, this chick is like the first intelligent human you've had on your show who like actually knows what she's talking about when it comes to like therapy and like what it is to like have mm-hmm. a, like emotional like constructs and intelligence in that space. And like, that's what you're going to put her as in this yeah. space. So I just think it's, amazing that you have like any positive things to say about it to be frank (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean like it was definitely a shitty tough experience and I wish that it could have gone different ways um you know there there were a lot of other really smart girls on my season um other girls who you know have degrees and just in general like are smart amazing women um I think it's very different there's all kinds of stigmas around therapists and Mm. in in general to where I don't think that that was necessarily the best environment for me to be in um to get a quote-unquote good edit but I mean it's it's hard like I don't again like I said it's a love-hate relationship like I have some very, very close friends. I mean, Vanessa is like my, you know, she's like family at this point. Um, you know, I wouldn't have her if it weren't for the show. Like I wouldn't have had a lot of awesome experiences and, you know, learned a lot about myself. Like it's a huge learning experience. So while like, yeah, that was really shitty and they could have definitely given more context to things and definitely could have like had my back more and could have actually used me to discuss a lot of really important things, which they kind mm-hmm. of did in paradise. But that was kind of like, well, you already shot yourself in the foot. So yeah, uh, should have listened to me the first time around, maybe. Um, but I mean, it's, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's overall, it's for sure a love hate relationship. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that a lot of people who come to you are like, and who are in your sphere and who, who you work with now as a therapist have like known you from that experience or that it's completely separate now? Um, I would say it's way fewer than what people think. Um, there's only a small, like literally maybe two or three people that I work with who, um, had watched the show and had followed me from that. Um, other people, you know, certainly they find me and then, you know, I'm honest about the fact that I do work in other media and, you know, as a therapist, you have to go over, um, you know, social media roles and your policy on that. For Mm -hmm. me, it's like, I don't follow you. I request that people don't follow me for the following reasons, X, Y, Z, all of that. Um, and honestly, it's not as big of a issue as people would think, um, because it's like in therapy, it's not about me. Yeah, like, no I was about to say, I wouldn't even thought that it would be like, an issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No one's coming to see me as a therapist to, like, have me tell them about story. my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's about them. Yeah. Um, and people, like, they really don't care. Yeah. Um, there have been times where, you know, someone has brought up, you know, oh, you know, I'm struggling with this. And, like, you talked about this in, like, one of your rants on Instagram. And that was, like, really helpful to me. And, you know, so I was wondering, you know, if I could see you as a client kind of a thing. And it's not something that I, like, immediately decline. Um, it definitely depends on, like, what that person actually is wanting to work on and yeah. how serious they are about therapy. And and at the end of the day, too, like, will we even be a good match to work together? Because, like, I'm not going to be – the best therapist for every client and every client's not going to be like the best client for me to work with either. So totally. Yeah. Okay. So now that you're away from it and obviously in a, in a, at least outwardly showing to the world, like I have all these beliefs and these are, this is how I practice Mm -hmm. my life. Like so often 
what we see on TV, especially in franchises like Love is Blind or like The Bachelor. It's so heteronormative. It's Mm -hmm. so focused on like marriage being this like end point and that meaning uh, is means a relationship is fucking successful and it's it's also mm-hmm. so bad about like showing to the world what healthy communication looks like like I cannot even like I watch it and in my skin crawls so like as yes <laughs> as a human and also a therapist like how how do how do you watch that and how do you like I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's such a fucking problem that there's shit like that on TV and there isn't representation in that space, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's like several things here, right? Like representation of people of color, representation Mm -hmm. of different kinds of relationships, representation of different kinds of sexuality, even how the show portrays sexuality sometimes is a bit problematic. Um, you know, the, the whole purity, innocent, complex situation yeah. is a bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, I have feelings. <laughs> I have so many feelings. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I go back and forth of, you know, how much do I comment on the show and do I, um, you know, as it's airing, make conversations around it and yeah. then a balance of like, my own mental health, right? And totally. being like, you know, I'm just going to like leave this be because a lot of other people are going to cover this. I'm like, I don't need to be in that space. Um, but yeah, it's it'd be great. I mean, even the way that they formed things last season with Paradise, uh, with having shown gay love is is one thing. But oh my God. Um, yeah. again, we, we look at the way in which they do it and it's definitely in like, the safest way possible mm-hmm. of like being a white blonde woman that like all the middle America white blonde women can relate to mm-hmm. and can seek approval of and that mm-hmm. is attractive and so it's like it's I don't know yeah There's, I mean as like yeah. as a queer woman it was so amazing to see that mm-hmm. representation because it's the I mean I think there's been at least outwardly what two mm-hmm. or three like bisexual humans on in the bachelor in the yeah past? jamie was on my season and she talks about being bisexual um as well as being biracial um mm-hmm. i can't think of anyone before her yeah i think she was the first and then Demi. unless it was yeah so two which is which cannot be real yeah <laughs> well i think i mean like I wouldn't consider myself fully straight, like right. sexually, like right. I'm for sure heteromantic. Um, but like, it's not something that I'm like all out on the show about. And it's not only something that they like would ask me questions on totally. or even that they would necessarily even air. I right. mean, like you might have these conversations with them and you might disclose this information and these interests and that literally might not even get shown. So yeah, who knows? Mm. There definitely could have been other people who were on you know, pansexual, bisexual, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and just not actually given airtime on that. Yeah. And which is, which is shitty because it's like that needs more airtime, if anything, like mm-hmm. uh, from my perspective, at least like to see that reflected in, in such a big franchise or e- even like love mm-hmm. is love is blind, which is l- the number one fucking show on Netflix right now. There was literally no, it was all heteronormative. Like, yes, they had some people of color, which was lovely. And like watching a biracial like couple was, was beautiful mm-hmm. to see but like yeah it was just like where is all of the the representation in that space it bothered me so much and I think it's not a it's not a true reflection of what the world is that we live in now 
and mm-hmm. and or that we've lived in forever. Like, where are the trans like people? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just it it kills me, and I and I worry and I wonder because so many people that watch this show are white cis people mm-hmm. who who live in America, and most of them are probably mm-hmm. wealthy or middle class, and it's like they're just perpetually seeing that as like what is a representation of society or at least of America of America. Mm-hmm. And I just think that yeah. that's, I think that's a really irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, there were conversations that I even had when I was on the show about like, you know, just the way that things were happening of, of that being irresponsible. And mm-hmm. unfortunately it is also a lot about like ratings and whatnot. And I yeah. mean, it's, like you said, it's America. America, <laughs> it's, fuck yeah. It is America. <laughs> and I mean, oh, that's what gets, that's what gets the really, really high ratings. You know, that's what, um, for, you know, centuries, I'm sure even longer we're told is like the norm and that is yeah. the standard. And so like in, in a weird way, it makes sense that that is more of what is shown, but I think, things are moving in a direction where we are seeing more representation and we are seeing more diversity. It's just, I think people are struggling maybe to navigate the best way to do that and how to Mm. do that, but also kind of still keep somewhat of status quo um, because it's, you know, branding and, and all of that. Um, I think even on love is blind, uh, you know, the one, I think his name was Carlton. Yeah. Um, Who's, who's pan and the way that it was shown on the show was tough. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even necessarily described as being pansexual either. Um, and I, I think, think he it's... used it one time. He used that term. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like I have a lot of thoughts around that whole situation. Um, but in general, I think too, even, um, there's a show on Showtime called Polyamory and it's like a docu-series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On it's a great show. Yeah. The first season I really liked, but the second season I was like, it, it frustrated me in a lot of ways. And I, I respect and I appreciate when shows do try to show, you know, perhaps the more outside the box, quote unquote, relationships and sexualities and yeah. diversity and all those things. But I think it's like I want to see uh, a a healthy quality example mm-hmm. of that. And I think it can be helpful to show how people navigate through it, right? Like the the struggles with it. I think that's very helpful. But I think more times we're seeing these like kind of unhealthy portrayals of that. Like totally. Eh. And, and again, not to say like, not to judge and be like, Oh, they're not handling that, handling that properly. But it's like, that's an opportunity to really teach people yeah. um, how they can handle things. And yeah, I'm not sure if he's, if the Carlton guy has spoken out about any of that or if the girl I'm forgetting her name, diamond, diamond um, if yeah. she has said anything about how that was handled. But yeah. I think there's definitely like a lot of, space for conversation around that kind of thing. And, and part of the positive part of it even being represented is the fact that we can have conversations about it. Right. And same thing like with, uh, when 13 reasons why it came out and everyone Mm. was like, you know, oh, this is really great. But then people were like, no, this is actually bad and damaging. And it was like, well, you know, we're having conversations about it. And like polarizing. (laughs) And that's what makes it so, and that's what makes it so exciting because some people are going to be like, I don't fucking agree with this. I don't understand Mm -hmm. it. And some people are going to be like, yes, this is me in a box. Like, thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Thank you for putting representation to it. And that's how we can have dialogue. Right. Because if we're constantly surrounding Mm -hmm. ourselves with people who are like us, what is the fucking point? 
Yeah. Where's the growth there? Exactly. Yeah. I have a lot of feelings about it too, especially because for, for a long time, like I, I don't, I don't really like labels, but like I've, I've Mm -hmm. definitely vibe with like pan as like a a term. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time that I have in a reality TV setting ever heard that term. And so I started to Mm -hmm. completely ball my eyes out. If you guys don't know what pansexual is, check out my Mm -hmm. um, episode on sexual fluidity and what that looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. But genuinely like having a person share like, and, and the hardship that and the vulnerability yeah. that he shared. As well, especially as a black male. Yeah. Like and that's like, a whole other level of difficulty with sexuality. And owning that. that. Yeah, totally. And just like, I don't know, but seeing, but then like to, to have and, and hashtag spoilers uh, are coming. So sorry in advance. If you haven't watched this, go watch Love is Blind. Um, but like yeah. to have then such a jarring conversation where like, I was like, you are not handling this in an effective communicate communicative space. And also to see that it was coming from such a place of pain, like from his clearly like the way that Mm -hmm. he has been treated in previous relationships because of that part of himself. Yeah. It was just, I was like, I totally understand. Like I'm deeply Mm -hmm. here with you. And also I really wish you had the communicative skills to express yourself clearly so that this couldn't have been a shit show, you know? Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. Do I go into it? Fuck yeah. Go in. (laughs) Okay. Um, Like I really didn't, I was not a fan of how he waited to tell her after the proposal. I think he knew that that was shady. And I think he he knew that lying to himself. And I think he was trying to protect himself. Valid. said Because of how he was likely to ask. Um, But it was still, it was like he wasn't fully accepting himself to allow her to fully accept him pre-engagement. And I think it's unfortunate too, just the fucking emphasis we even have to put on this shit. Like, why is it such a big deal that he would be pansexual? Why is it such a big deal that he would have had an experience with a male in the past and know that he's more heteroromantic and wants to have a long-term committed romantic relationship with a, you know, gender straight female? Like, why is that? Like, why does it have to be such a huge deal that he had had sex with someone else? Um, There's even an episode of Insecure on HBO, which I love. Fantastic. Um, It's like the girls version of like L.A. black women. And I love it. Okay. Um, And yeah, there was an episode where, you know, there was a I want to say he might have been mixed, um, but he told one of the women about the fact that, you know, he had had a uh, like hook up, hooked up with a guy in college. Um, mm-hmm. and she just went off about, you know, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, just, I mean, he's gay mm-hmm. and blah, blah, and all this stuff. And it just became such this big thing, but it is because we put so much emphasis on our, on our sexuality. And I think can struggle to like, just allow people to just, whatever is their vibe is their vibe. Yeah. Um, I wished so badly as I was watching that scene in love is blind that she would have just like hugged him and just been like, that's okay. Like, is right now where you want to be? Like, are you, is this, you know, is this mm-hmm. actually fulfill, going to be fulfilling for you? Like, mm-hmm. are there conversations, are there other conversations that we need to have around like what our sex life is going to look like mm-hmm. and, and all of that, because you could see it was so hard for him and he was just preparing himself for rejection. And then that was what he was met with, but he also allowed it to like make him spiral and be really nasty as well. And it was just, it it definitely kind of turned into a little bit of a train wreck there. Um, And again, I think acknowledging the difficulty and the 
pressures that he is under as a black male mm. to express being pan is very different than like Demi on Paradise being like, totally. sorry. There's a truck. Can y'all hear the truck in the background? Because it's going. <laughs> Sorry, it's a beautiful day in Seattle and Lily and I are out on the balcony. Taylor looks okay, so beautiful like- right now with the sunshine and her curls. <laughs> I wish y'all could see. It's so good. I'm like, honestly, if this was not on video right now, I, my robe would definitely be off and I would just be like out here. I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, go full nude, girl. You know I won't judge you. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, like like the difference, you know, the, in um, – societal pressure and acceptance that like someone like Demi would have to go through versus Carlton on love is blind is very, very different. Um, and so it was really hard to watch, but yeah. yeah. And also like so deeply for me, for me to see that I was like, Oh, thank God that there's some communication around this, that Mm -hmm. there's some representation of this. Like it was so beautiful to see. And so I'm deeply grateful for that. And also, Mm -hmm. okay. So love is blind. If you haven't watched the show, you guys like stop everything you're doing and go watch it because I actually like this is my problem with The Bachelor and I also have problems with Love is Blind. But my problem with The Bachelor is that it's basically like this big setting where essentially polyamory is existing, but with one person, it's more like really polygamy. Um, Girl, don't even get me started. And that's what it is. It's non-monogamy at its finest. And it's like, that's embraced. That's amazing. But God forbid that the lead could fall in love with multiple Mm -hmm. people. That's impossible. I call bullshit. I know that's, that's, that's absolutely possible. It is absolutely a thing. And, and also like this concept that like, if you don't end up engaged or married to this person, that it is not a successful experience Mm -hmm. and that it's failed that it's failed. And like, I think that it's actually really deeply reflective of society and the way that we view relationships in a really negative way. Like this concept of like this is these are the check boxes you need to hit in order for a relationship to be successful. You can, you you know yeah. once you're together like you has are, to go perfect with the parents has mm-hmm. to go perfect you know mm-hmm. and also yeah. like eventually like you say okay no I'm I'm not having sex with anyone else it is just you mm-hmm. and me forever and like we get married we make babies and we live happily ever after until we're you know ninety. Uh, 90 plus and die holding each other's hands like and it's just the most beautiful love story in the world like the reality of it is that most life doesn't work that way even if we wanted to but that is what society has told us is valid really and that is what this Mm -hmm. franchise is perpetuating like I know you talk a lot about your perspectives on that space but like why why do you feel like seeing that in front of us is so detrimental to that like you know perpetuating that belief system mm-hmm. it just really pisses me off <laughs> yeah it it reinforces and adds to the pressure that we put on ourselves in relationships and our identities when we are single and when we are in relationships mm-hmm. so I think it actually it does end up creating a lot of shame in yeah. our dating and in our relationships um I think it's it's such a big I mean it even if you think about it, like Bachelorette didn't come out for years after Bachelor was already airing. And in a lot of ways, I think people didn't want to even see that because it was one thing for a guy Mm. to be dating a bunch of women, but for a woman to do that, like Mm -hmm. mm -mm, America's got feelings about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it overall, how it impacts 
us today is just that it, it increases the pressures that we already have on ourselves when it comes to monogamy and when it comes to our identities and our values as people mm-hmm. being in relationship or not. Yeah. Are you someone who has always been in the, the sphere of non-monogamy or is that just something that has like more recently been the way that you've chosen to like take steps for your own life? So I would say my first relationship uh, when I was in high school, who I had my sexual debut with, I'm no longer saying who's Love my um, <laughs> I am so yeah. fucking here for that. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a sexual debut. I love um, it. Yeah, open the curtain, let it go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and it's it it was a how do I put this? Romantically, we were monogamous, but mm-hmm. sexually, we were not. Mm-hmm. Um, in my first relationship was when I had my first threesomes, mm-hmm. and I think to me, I always felt like it seemed so unrealistic. That like this one person that you're going to commit to be with is going to be the one and only person you're going to have sex with for the rest of your life. Like I was always just like, what? But like, it's so natural that like we're attracted to other people and like, then, you know, certainly, yeah, you don't need to like fuck everyone that you find attractive. And like, that's not even what it is in the first place. That's fine too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Whatever floats your boat. But I knew that at least sexually that that would always be a conversation Mm -hmm. of inclusion or uh, openness in that sense in my relationships since my first relationship. Um, most of my other relationships after that were strictly monogamous. And, um, I think it's, it wasn't until, hmm, yeah, the first relationship that I had that actually had like an, a dialogue and communication around non-monogamy um, was my relationship I was in after the show. So that would have been like last year, I mm-hmm. think. Um, yeah. And it was really difficult to even like find a partner that like would be open, open to, to even it. having those conversations and like not not experience a lot of, uh, you know, jealousy, mm-hmm. and which you will experience and that's okay, yeah. right? And like you it's process it. But um, for the most part with the, you know, heterosexual monogamous men that I would date, like Mm -hmm. that was such a hard no of like, no, if we're like together, then we're together. Like, I don't want you with anyone else. And it does blow my mind because almost every season of the show, we see this where it's, you know, your top two and, oh my God, I've fallen in love with two people. And like, I never thought this would happen. And like, what do I do? And like, it creates so much pressure and it creates um, a lot of conflict that like if there actually was a conversation around Mm -hmm. non-monogamy, like things might turn out a little different there. Or just around also, (laughs) I think like the, the, this idea that as humans we can hold love for multiple people. Like uh, to me, that makes complete sense. Like think about your relationships in general, right? Like we have, partners, we have friends, we have family members, like, and sometimes our partners are less substantial in terms of the energy we put there and the time we put there than like some of our friends for of 20 years. And like that. Well, but I think that that's like even rare because I think for the Mm -hmm. most part, especially as like, you know, cis women that like, we have so much pressure on like the fact that our lives are our relationships and that like we should be putting in a hundred percent of our energy into our romantic relationship. And yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've done, I 
feel like I've done a few posts on this. I know I've talked about it on the podcast. Um, one of the faults of monogamy of being someone's everything, yeah. like that, that is so unrealistic and that that does put so much pressure on you and on your partner. And like, it's just, it's so unnecessary. Do you feel like that tends to breed like a lot of codependency and like what you witness in your clients and stuff? Um, I would say it, it breeds a lot of doubt around self-worth. Um, it breeds a lot of insecurity of feeling like I'm not enough because Mm. I'm supposed to be everything, but my partner wants other things or Mm -hmm. it didn't work out because of this thing. Um, I would say it definitely breeds a lot of anxiety because you feel like you're having to, you know, be all these things that you might not really even be just because, yeah, yeah, because out of fear, right. Out of fear, um, which, you know, I hope to always try to live my life like, out of love and not out of fear, which is a very difficult thing to do. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a practice. But, yeah, exactly. It's a daily Constant practice. Fucking practice. It's yeah. not always not always perfect. She's not um, always yeah. She's not always happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's it even on you know even on paradise. I mean, my experience on there like there's so much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it doesn't it doesn't feel good and. Um, I think if we can find ways in our day-to-day lives to relieve some of that pressure we put on, put on ourselves, even outside of relationships, um, that overall, like we would have so much less anxiety. Fully. Yeah. And also just like accept each other for who we are instead of trying to fit into a box and create something within ourselves that is not just because we want to be something for someone else, because otherwise we're terrified we're going to lose them and all this shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, been there, done that. It's not fun. Like, release the fucking box and just be you mm-hmm. and and accept the people in your life for who they are. And if they're not meant f- to be in your world, mm-hmm. that's okay. Like, yes, that's okay. And I just – I think that this, this world of reality TV just perpetuates that that is not true. And it – as mm-hmm. somebody who has lived her life, like believing that there are multiple soulmates for us and that one person never, like literally I have never said the words, you're my other half to somebody else. Yeah. Like, it no, no. Makes me want I even to... said that on my paradise date. I was like, I don't believe in like missing puzzle piece thing. No, like I want you to be it. like your own puzzle. A whole person. You're a whole person. <laughs> yeah. I'm a whole person. Like hopefully we can mm-hmm. cohabitate and like love each other for who we are. And if we can't, like that's Okay. Um, and maybe multiple people will be that for us and that's okay. Whether they're platonic or romantic or both, like there are so many ways to live your life. And when we try to get into these prescriptive boxes that society has perpetuated for us, that's when we Mm -hmm. lose ourselves. Like, Oh, I could talk about this for fucking ever. Okay. I want to get back to love is blind because (laughs) I think, I think that this concept of the show is so interesting. I would love to hear it from your perspective as a therapist, because for me watching it, I was like, okay, they are getting into it with such a beautiful way. Like, because relationships at their core, I believe are successful when they are emotionally connective. When we, two people can show up vulnerably with each other and just share our hearts, that is where bonds create and everything else. Yes. Like there are things that are important, but ultimately that's the root of a healthy relationship from my standpoint. So like, Mm -hmm. Did you like the the concept of going in in that space and then moving mm-hmm. into the quote real world from that? I did. Yeah, I think that the emphasis on communication to facilitate that emotional connection was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 
certainly in terms of, you know, getting engaged before we ever see each other. Like, I don't fully know about that piece. Um, (laughs) Or like having ever had sex. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Like, it's interesting because, I mean, there there may be times in your life, right, where like you're less of a sexual being or where you physically can't have sex. Yeah. um, To where it does become... um, uh, the relationship becomes more dependent on making sure that that emotional connection and that that communication is really strong. Um, If you look at people who are asexual, they're still in romantic relationships. So I don't think that sex is, you know, necessary to be in a relationship because it depends on you and your partner, how you choose to define what that relationship looks like. And what sex even Um, means in that space too. Exactly. So I did very much appreciate the setup of the show and Mm -hmm. just knowing that, there was a solid emotional connection that there was a basis of communication. Um, I think, you know, could have gone a little bit longer with testing out that communication, Mm -hmm. you know, and having like really tough conversations and moving through conflict and misunderstandings and communications. But I mean, spoiler, I'm obsessed with uh, Cameron and, Lauren. Well, they are such a beautiful example of what it is to hear each other and see each other and truly communicate with vulnerability. Like to see a man on depicted on camera who is so deeply vulnerable and also is like a mirror for her vulnerability. Oh my God. I was Mm -hmm. literally, I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. And I, and I try to be really careful of like, you know, when we see these couples in the public eye of not like putting them up on such a pedestal because totally, I mean, just post show, like I experienced that and it's like, it's not helpful. Um, it does just add to more pressure. Like certainly support can be great sometimes, but, um, you know, they still, I'm sure have their fights and have their disagreements and have things that they need to work on and, and all of that. But I mean, just overall, I am for sure obsessed with them and want nothing but the best for both of them. I, posted a story of them and people were upset because it was like spoiler. And I was like, well, sorry. Like I waited, like I thought people would be caught up by now. Like they're doing a press tour. Their reunion is, is on like, yeah, yeah, you guys, you knew spoilers were coming when you listened to this episode. So you're welcome. Yes. (laughs) And then I, I like literally died this morning when I woke up, Cameron had like responded and was like, thanks so much for the support. And I was like, Oh my God. I, it's just it's so beautiful to wa- truly like watching him and and there's a so he meets her father who like she was really nervous about him meeting and the way that he showed up in that conversation mm-hmm. it is yeah. it is truly it great it's beautiful yeah and I'm like this yeah. is how everyone needs to to communicate <laughs> with yeah. just so much love and like I don't know. And just, and, and, and owning the, his truth and just being vulnerable about where he's at and like taking that space. Yeah. So I, did you love the way that it continued and like how it ended and all of that stuff, like leading up to the weddings and like all of the, the, um, the real world piece of it? I, first of all, I was confused because I was like, everyone lives in Atlanta. Yeah. What? <laughs> I was really confused too. <laughs> <laughs> because they were like meeting families and I was like, oh, but then some people didn't meet their yeah. families. And like, I was and so, they were yeah. seeing, And they were seeing each other's apartments. And I was like, wait, so they all live in the same place then? And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. Like yeah. in Paris, we don't have that yeah. option. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, I liked that it was like, you know, you get to go see the person's place. You get to, you know, live with each other for a bit. Um, I don't like just that it feels like rushed, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't like that part. Mm-hmm. Um 
or that like success again ends in marriage. Yes, exactly. That that and um, knowing that like you don't know if they're going to choose you at the altar or not. Mm. I mean, certainly great for TV, very entertaining, for sure, very dramatic, for sure. Um, But like as a contestant, as a participant, uh, no, 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 no. Like that's literally traumatizing. Oh, fuck like yeah. for Giannina, Giannina, yeah. yeah. Um, for her to like go up there. Granted, I have thoughts around the whole relationship itself. I would but, love um, to talk about your thoughts there because I also have so many thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, but just the fact that like you would go down and you'd have this day right that is so built up and has so much pressure around it, and then you're up there and rejected in that way. Like that's traumatizing. Like what about the next yeah. time that she goes to actually get married and like is triggered by all that stuff? Like that to me, I didn't like, and I would definitely mm. prefer like knowing that like, okay, we both choose each other and now we want to get married. Yes. Cool. Yeah. And also I wish that there would have been actual conversations around like what that marriage looks like, right? Like why are we wanting to get married? And like, what kind of relationship are we going to have in our marriage? Because we don't see that on any reality TV that I know of, aside from that polyamory show, which is like a docu-series. Um, and yeah, because even on the show, I mean, like I attempted to have those conversations with my partner and not only was not really shown, but it also like, a wasn't really a conversation he wanted to have anyway. (laughs) So, and most people aren't used to having those conversations because they're not used to being in spaces where like, that's Mm -hmm. part of the the thing. It's so interesting though, because it didn't, they didn't talk about this on the show at all. So I'm assuming this didn't happen, but it didn't seem like there was like a therapist in house to like support. I mean, these they don't couples. talk about it on, they don't talk about it on bachelor either. And there is one. There is so one. so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure they have one. I would be so curious. Cause I, to me, like if there was, then I was so blown away by the communication and very deep stuff that was happening within Giannina and Damien's relationship. Cause it was just so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I looked at that and I was like, there are kids, there are women like in their, you know, teens watching this right now and seeing this as like a form of what a relationship could look Mm -hmm. like and seeing that kind of relationship as healthy as like, this is okay. Like, this is okay to talk to your person about. And it just made me so angry because I'm like, this is awful to watch. Like, so fucking awful to watch and Mm -hmm. like the way that she was like tearing herself down and then like they were blaming each other so much I was like ah it was so so hard to see no it was a lot even um I was actually thinking about this last night because I was sick a few weeks ago and so I was like I need like mindless tv so I started re-watching like from the beginning Jersey Shore oh no and I did not even remember half the shit that happened in that show, but I'm on like season four now. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I am obsessed with you. I'm like, I'm like, this was like two weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> no, like three, three weeks ago. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just like it's on in the background. Okay. Um, I'm really productive. I promise. No, I love um, it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, but honestly, rewatching even Sammy and Ron's relationship yes. where I was like, I was in college watching this yeah. and like, my God, how dysfunctional and unhealthy and toxic and like domestic violence being mm-hmm. shown, you know, of like, I don't even remember, but I'm like, I don't even think I had conversations with people in my life when all of that was being aired. And it was just kind of like, I think to a certain extent, like we know when we watch these things that like, that's not a healthy relationship or like, that's not healthy communication. 
but it is romanticized because it's on TV. Yeah. But also like, I don't know that I did. Like, I think, I think I did because I grew up in such a specific way and I had that modeled, but for so many people, like they don't know that. And so to see that and to like genuinely say like, oh, well, my relationship kind of looks like that. And that's what that relationship looked like. So that must mean it's okay. Like, that's what my thing is, is like, I love reality TV. It's my jam. Like it makes it, you know, it's entertaining AF and also like we can do better in that space. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think it it normalizes dysfunction. Yeah. But I think at our core, I do think we watch that and like, we have a sense that like, that's not good. Mm. Like that, that's not even because at the same time you see other people in that same situation say that, right? Like you see the distress. It doesn't, it's not in alignment with this, um, with this fantasy image that we have of relationships that we've talked about. Um, so because it is on reality TV and because there is just such this dramaticism to it, it, um, it does in a way normalize the dysfunction and makes it seem like again, some of those things around toxic monogamy of like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, he's so jealous. Like he punched someone else in the face because like they looked at me like he loves me so much. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, no, (laughs) that ain't right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not do that. (laughs) Yeah. Or like he yells at me, but he loves me. Like that's yeah yeah no yeah yeah like he called me a stupid dumb whore slut who should like is go kill herself she's a bitch but like the next day he sent me flowers like no yeah yeah oh my gosh okay I could talk to you about this forever but before we get off I want to ask you some fun fast questions just to like Mm -hmm. reel it back from the 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 reality tv world for a second and just get into Taylor world okay so yeah okay you ready yes current favorite sex toy um I don't know the name of it shit but it's like a clitoral vacuum sucker thing the, oh it's my favorite the the um the womanizer it's basically that it's but like it's not that brand okay you guys I will put this in the show notes for you this has changed yeah. my life it's changed all of my friends lives and I'm yeah. giving it to you now like you're welcome thank you for sharing yeah that. it's it's also it's also like I can't even like by myself to like masturbate with penetration is like so annoying and difficult yeah it's like not I easy. hold in my back and I can't reach like honestly well for um, real yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking difficult. It's not so, ideal. Like, clip play is for sure the win. There's also I'm always in long distance relationships, and mm. We Vibe has like long distance. Oh, vibrators but you can do you those. Can yeah, those are fun. Yeah, and I think the one that I use for clit that is long distance is called the the Melt. I think it is. Okay, the melts or. Yeah, I think that is it. Yeah, the one yeah. that I use is called the Womanizer, y'all, and it's so good. And, like, mm-hmm. you can also use it, like, during sex if, yep. like, you want to have, like, multiple orgasms. It's great. Oh, yeah. Okay. Something you wish people wouldn't assume about you? Um, that I'm – God, that's a good one. Um. One, I would say that I'm white and I like go tanning in the winter. What the um, fuck? Seriously? Yeah. Oh, I get god. that all the time. I get like, oh my god, how do you stay so tan during oh, the winter? I hate that so much, I'm Taylor. Like, um, because I'm black, that's how. Oh my um god. so that I wish people wouldn't assume that. Uh, but I also like from the show, at least a lot of people assume that like I'm very uptight or I'm very like condescending or I'm just like I think I'm so smart and I'm like, no, I'm actually like, no, like I'm, I definitely have, you know, 
some emotional intelligence, right? But like, I'm not, I'm very chill yeah. at the same time. And like, I, um, I'm really bad at numbers and I'm like, I don't think I'm the smartest person in the world. Like, but when yeah. I know something, I fucking know it. Yeah. And you show up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the last thing I would say too, is that I wish people would not assume that because I'm a sober Sally and I don't drink alcohol that like, I'm not fun because I'm very fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> legit. I think that's very obvious. If you, if you watch Taylor's stories, you know that she's fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Biggest lesson you've taken away from 2020 so far. The best thing I've taken away from 2020? Biggest lesson. Biggest lesson. Um, damn. Getting deep. Getting this deep. Is a great question. <laughs> there's like, because there's literally been like several situations that have just came up over the last like few weeks. Ooh, been, I love it. Juicy. Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest lesson, number one, is like to remember my worth and like not mm. go back to being treated like shit in relationships. Um mm. I was seeing someone for about six months, uh, long distance in Toronto, and he was the nicest, sweetest, like, tr- just so wonderful, mm-hmm. so respectful. The trust was amazing. The communication was amazing. Um, and I had never really fully experienced that in a relationship before. I never felt like I was a burden. Mm. It, like, it's fantastic. And um, then like last week, my ex like slightly popped back in the pick and I was like, oh, I hate all these feelings. Like this feel like I feel so small and I feel like yeah. bad again. And like, that's not healthy. And like, you know, having empathy for myself of like, it's okay that you were in that situation. But like, remember that like, you're not going to go back to that. And like, remember to like, keep your standard high. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that these are just the basic things of like respect and communication that like, I've struggled with a bit throughout my life since my first relationship that became really abusive, um, to just like keep those standards high. Like it will be worth it. Um, another big lesson just in terms of like vibrators, like use them, don't, yeah, like (laughs) use them. And like, sometimes it really is way better. Sorry. No, it is always way better um, to take the time to like sit with yourself and experience that pleasure mm-hmm. than it is to put yourself in a situation where you're unsure and just go with it just for the sake of going with it or not wanting to yeah. create like an uncomfortable conversation or uncomfortable uh, situation of like, again, in a way it's, I guess, connected to standards, right? Of like, making sure that you're living in alignment with your values and what you actually want out of a relationship in dating. So yeah, yeah, like I have great relationships with my vibrators. Oh yeah. They're the best relationships ever. I love that. (laughs) Biggest lesson, get a vibrator that you love and use it. Okay. And then last question, what does it mean to you to live your fuck yes life? Mm. To live my fuck yes life means to not give a fuck about what other people think. Love it. To not live my life to please other people. Fuck yes. Oh, yes. I love it. Yeah. Um, You're the best. Where can our listeners like connect with you, find you online, mm-hmm. all that good stuff and get in your sphere some more? Yeah. So the best place would be Instagram, which is at Taymocha, T-A-Y-M-O-C-H-A. And it is not because I'm brown. Everyone thinks that uh, I'm Taymocha because I'm a crazy cat lady. And my first cat's name was Mocha Joe. Aww. And I had her for like 18 years. I grew up as an only child, I but I say like, that. I grew up as an only child with cats. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And so, like, when I was young, I combined their names, and my nickname was Tamoka. Oh, um, I love that. So, <laughs> yeah, so Tamoka is the Instagram, and that's where, like, you can find all the links to the podcast and all the things that I do. Um, the podcast is called Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. If you just put in Taylor Nolan into your favorite podcast app, it will likely come up there. Um, and then the podcast Instagram page is let's talk about it underscore podcast. Amazeballs. And all of that will be in the show notes for you guys. Thank you, Taylor, so much for coming on yeah. and talking about this. This was amazing. And um, I will <laughs> see you guys next week on the pod. And there you have it. Thank you, Taylor, for having this conversation with me on the podcast. And for all the things we talked about in today's episode, you can check them out at the show notes uh, or you can go to amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash 85 bitches. Not the bitches, just the 85. Um, And as always, if you love this episode, pass it on. If you're part of Bachelor Nation and just like love Real Talk or you're a huge fan of Taylor, um, share this episode, share this conversation, share this shit with your friends, your girlfriends, your grandma, your pet. Um, your cat, all the people, your mailman, just share it. Um, Tell them you loved it. Um, Share about this on on Instagram. You can always tag me and Amanda Catherine Loy. um, And make sure you also tag Taylor um, and all that good stuff. And as always, your listenership and just your being in my space just makes my fucking day. So thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the pod and for um, allowing incredible guests like Taylor to be able to get on. It's really, truly um, the best thing ever. And a big part of that is by leaving reviews and all of the work you guys have done to support the space. So leave a rating, leave a a review if you haven't already done that before. And uh, until next week, I'll see you guys on the flip side. Bye-bye.